the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. Talk about two aggrieved parties. Florida State and Georgia both have issues with the College Football Playoff Selection Committee, and they should. FSU became the first undefeated Power 5 conference champion in the history of the CFP to be left out of the Final Four. Georgia had won 29 consecutive games and the last two national championships prior to losing to Alabama by three points in this year's SEC championship game. Both were left out and then pitted against each other in the Orange Bowl, which will be played on December 30th. Accepted were Michigan, a team whose coach has been suspended for quite some time for cheating, an undefeated Pac-12 champ in Washington who really only has two wins over Oregon to boast about, and one lost Big 12 and SEC champs in Texas and Alabama, both whose strength of schedule isn't exactly something to write home about. Maybe the winner of the Orange Bowl should be crowned the national champ. On today's podcast, I welcome back Georgia beat writer Mark Weiser of the Athens Banner Herald and Seminoles beat writer Essen Kassim of the Tallahassee Democrat. They'll help me break down this game and give their thoughts on the CFP committee, which won't have this issue next year when the playoff is expanded to 12 teams. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We also have three news sites in Georgia. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. It will be interesting to hear what this week's panel has to say about how this year's college football season has wound down. Essen, we've been talking a lot lately. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. It's been a busy, busy morning. Yeah, you know, we were hoping that uh, I was going to have you and Mark Weiser on at the same time, but then the ACC, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, Florida State held this meeting about things going on with the ACC, and, you know, obviously I think that they want to get out of the ACC, so uh, so we have to have you guys on separate. Mark, his uh, portion of the interview will air after yours, but I want to get into this meeting that you just sat in on for a couple hours. What happened, Essen? Yeah, so, um, you know... Florida State has been, you know, vocal about wanting to leave the ACC or at least getting a fair share for what they bring in compared to the other schools in the conference, especially when it comes to football, as we know, is a huge moneymaker. We know that as well in our jobs. Um, But um, so, yeah, Florida State's been seeking, like, you know, um, just a greater seat seat in the table, um, trying to get more revenue so you could keep up with the big boys like Florida, Georgia, Alabama, when it comes to revenue sharing and be able to keep up with them. So this has been a long time coming, you know, I think we talked about it in August when they held their meeting and, um, you know, their president McCullough called it existential crisis back then about, you know, Florida State being $30 million behind. So this has been going for a long time. I think, you know, obviously this is not just a, um, you know, thing that happened, like, you know, people are going to point to Florida State being left out of the playoffs. That's not just why it happened. This has been a long time building up. Since probably last summer, they've been having lawyers look at different things, um, you know. So today was the culmination of all of that. They filed a lawsuit against the ACC that they, they want to um, just more so than leave the conference. They they could have filed in a way they could, they could have just, you know, um, got a immediate relief from the um, a court and gotten out of the conference without paying anything. But they're more looking for 
a potential answer to how they could, you know, exit or also just also it, there could be negotiations with ACC and ESPN. It's everything's on the table, I think, at this point. But yeah, they filed a lawsuit today in Leon County Court. They um, and recently we just saw the ACC has already filed a counter lawsuit or so. This is going to be fun. It's a lot going on. Jim Phillips, um, also the ACC president, um, said that Florida State's in violation of their contract with the ACC and other teams. Florida State's saying that the ACC is in violation of their contract with the grant of rights. They, Florida State mentioned, like, you know, it'd be $570 million to get out of the conference um, with, with their estimation with the grant of rights and all the other stuff going on. So... Friday before Christmas, news dump. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah, a, a lot of Ebenezer Scrooge going around. Now, if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, Essen, that deal with the ACC and ESPN, which you know certainly pays them not near what they're worth, doesn't it go through something like 2035? So I think um, what they said today is the contract right now is through 2027, with ESPN having an option to pick up a nine-year option. So, yes, 2027 is when the contract is currently through, with ESPN having the right to um, extend it through 2036. And one thing they pointed out today was 2027, yes, that's what – well, I guess we're almost at 2024, Tim. Um, that's crazy. But um, um, you know, that's three years away. So in three years, ESPN holds the right to um, um, extend that contract but the ACC doesn't have an option to shop around. So they are they are stuck for through 2036 unless ESPN decides, hey, you know, for whatever reason, we're breaking this contract. Yeah, and we know they're not going to do that because this certainly favors them. 2036, I mean, my fourth grader will be graduating college in 2036. I mean, uh, what knucklehead signed this deal? And I believe this was under uh, signed when John Skipper was still the president of ESPN. And of course, he's long gone and he's with Meadowlark Media and Dan Lebetard and that whole crew in South Florida. He, you know, so it's just crazy that such a long term deal was signed and how how bad it's shaking out to be. No, it's it's incredible. I mean, um, and we've seen, you know, the SEC and Big Ten sign major contracts. It's it's crazy the amount of money. And like, you know, you mentioned Ebenezer Scrooge. It's amazing. Like, um, Jesus, like, where's some of our money? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Holy cow. So, all right. What do you think ultimately, um, you know, obviously you and I, we're not legal people. Me personally, I think that a judge would probably rule in favor of the contract that was signed. And unless, you know, some booster can come forward with a half billion dollars to buy them out, FSU might be stuck for a long time here. I, I agree. I, I, I think FSU's hope is that this gets Clemson to, you know, come to the table and talk more, gets North Carolina to be like, hey, you know, we're also unhappy because, you know, their basketball program is brings in a lot of money uh, more than most other conference teams or anything does. So I think they're kind of hoping for, I'm not sure if they, the end goal right now is just a exit, like the weight, the wave being the fee being waived because that might not be feasible. And once again, like we mentioned, I'm not a lawyer. I'm also not a mathematician, but there was math thrown at me today. So, um, <laughs> but um, no, um, I do wonder if it's a, a ploy to, you know, just gain some leverage. Um, I think everything's on the table. I don't know what the final answer is going to be. I think there's a lot to be left to be answered what's going to happen. You know, we're just at the beginning and 
like you mentioned, we're not lawyers, so it's hard to know what's going on for sure. Um, Jim Henry did have a great story today. The editor of the Tallahassee Democrat, he talked to some lawyers and they kind of talk, walked them through what the complaint is, what they're doing and all that. Um, so check that on Tallahassee that, um, Democrat. I will shortly have a takeaway story about, you know, what all this means. So, All right. Well, definitely check out Essen's work on that at Tallahassee.com. And we'll be following with great interest into 2024 and possibly all the way up to 2036. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, the, the one of the reasons or main reasons we're here today, of course, is to talk about the Orange Bowl. And again, there will be a, a portion of an interview I uh, conducted with Mark Weiser of the Athens Banner Herald coming up here after Essen. And we talked about, you know, the Georgia aspects of it and a little bit about Florida State. And, he, you know, he's got some great things to say about the, the snub by the College Football Committee, which we'll talk about in a second. But first, I want to talk about, you know, the list of names that are, are being added on for guys who are not going to be playing in this bowl game for FSU. It's growing. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who we're not going to be seeing and how that's that's really going to affect this game? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, we already have seen um, Keon Coleman, surprisingly, is not declared he's out of the game yet, but we've gotten reports he's out, and that's not surprising He's a first-round pick to NFL draft. Johnny Wilson's out. Jordan Travis obviously got hurt and is not playing. Um, you know, his college football career is over, unfortunately. And I'm not sure if he would play in this game anyways with how it's going. But um, Trey Benson opted out. Jared Verse, Fabian Lovett. Um, a lot of Florida State's, you know, top-talented, top-tier roster is gone. Um, Jarian Jones is the one person who's declared for the NFL draft and said he will be playing in the game. So, it's a lot of talent. That for, um, Jaheim Bell is another one I forgot to mention in there. So a lot of talent. A lot of um, – I don't have the percentage, but, like, you know, when you mentioned Trey Benson, Johnny Wilson, Jaheim Bell, Jordan Travis, I would say that's upwards of probably 80 85% of Florida State's offense this year. Yeah, there's a little bit more math that we can't do because we're journalists, but I agree. That's got to be about 80% of their offense. It's just – it's stunning. It's unfortunate. The line started on this game at 13 or 14 points, depending on where you were looking. Now, I don't know if that's moving even more. Uh, you know, Georgia, you haven't heard a lot of declarations of players that aren't going to be in the game, but obviously you might expect some uh, some guys as, as the game gets near, but it's probably not going to be near – uh, the, the talent pool at FSU loses. So I guess just what do you think about this game and FSU's prospects of, of having any shot of winning with a backup quarterback without their top uh, running back, without their top receivers, without their best defender? I mean, is it, uh, get, can you give Florida State fans any hope here? Um, um, um. <laughs> that says it all. Yeah, I mean, I'm so, uh, you know, and Florida State is, you know, coached by Mike Norvell. We've seen that team's going to go play hard no matter what. I don't, I can't remember a time, like, you know, since they've turned it around where they got blown out, you know, even in their losses last year against Clemson, UNC, I'm not UNC, sorry, um, Clemson, um, Wake, and um, NC State last year. They didn't get blown out by any, by any means. So it's a team I expect to compete, but I just don't know, you know, even we talk about, Opt-outs for Georgia, you're still looking at a bunch of five-star players, correct? Up and down oh, yeah, the roster. So when you look at Florida State, I don't think they have that kind of, they had They built up depth this year, and they did a good job of that. But you're going to be playing a lot of young players. They're going to be playing major minutes for the first time. A lot of, you know, um, backups. A lot of probably guys who are very good players in their own rights, but they're not quite the tier of Florida State. And obviously, 
you the game's not played on paper, so Florida State has a chance. Anyone has a chance on it's any given Saturday. But if you were asking me to put money on a game on the game, I would have a hard time betting on Florida State right now to even cover. Yeah, I mean, Vegas is going to have to make that line much, much larger. And anybody that locked in maybe at like 13 points, probably going to consider themselves pretty lucky because this is going to be a hard one to win. And of course, this was all brought about, Essen, because of what the College Football Selection Committee did. You know, another way Florida State essentially got screwed was when they got left out of this playoff. Now, when you and I talked a couple of weeks ago prior to the ACC title game, your exact words were, no way would Florida State be left out if they took care of business. They did just that, and they were left out, which I just, I, I think it was a true miscarriage of justice. The first time a, uh, a Power Five conference undefeated champion was left out of the playoffs. So, you know, how did you process that decision after it was made. And I mean, you know, uh, Mike Norvell came out this week talking about how tough it's been. So just kind of talk about what you've seen with the team as well. Yeah. I mean, um, we talked to um, Jarian Jones and he cried for a whole week about it. Like, think about that, a football player admitting he's crying. Like that's, that says a lot about, you know, how much this hurt the team, you know, the most heartbreaking thing. And I had to call him about it, NCAA owes Jordan Travis, a major, major apology because he can, I don't know if you saw the tweet, Tim, but he tweeted like you know right after he's like, "I wish I broke my leg earlier." For someone, for a player of Jordan Travis's, um, you know, to say that because he's that hurt about his team is is heartbreaking. You know, it's it's it sucks. It's not what we want to. It's not why we play the sport. It's not why people watch a sport. You know, it's devastating. It's a hard blow. The team is still trying to process it. Obviously, we see that a lot of the opt outs. I do not think you're seeing these opt-outs if they're playing in the playoffs. I think everyone's playing. There's no way you're not you're seeing that. You know, and this game just does not mean as much as it did. I think the biggest, the one of the bigger losers, obviously Florida State's a loser, Georgia's a loser, because I have a hard time believing with how the, they laid out their argument that Georgia's still not one of the best four teams when they've lost once in 30 games, you know? So it's kind of just a... I like I think I I mentioned that to you know, there's no way I could see it happening and that was based off what the college football playoffs had said for a while how they had said you know they're not in the business of projecting they're not penalizing Florida State for one player blah 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 then all of a sudden they did an about face and penal did all of what they said they were not doing the entire time that's a hard part for me because um, if you told me that they put the best four teams in and let's say they put Georgia over now um, over Texas or something you know. If you tell me those are the four best teams, I would. I, I'm not going to have a hard argument against that because Florida State without Jordan Travis is unfortunately not one of the top four best teams. You know, with Jordan Travis, that's a different story. But um, if you, that that was the argument the whole time, and that's the criteria they stuck to, I could have an easier time buying it. But because they kept moving the object and moving the you know goalpost, it's harder to buy what they did because they said that Florida State's not good enough to beat the top four teams. But you're saying that Florida State with Tate Rodemaker is good enough to beat Georgia. You're saying they're good enough to beat Oregon. You're saying they're good enough to beat, you know. And the list goes on of other teams. Like, it's inconsistent what they said, the final rankings a little bit as well. I agree fully. I mean, look, they, they need to 
call up Jordan Travis and, you know, boo Kerrigan and his his arrogance. They're not going to do that. But, you know, I had this thought right after they got snubbed. And this isn't a unique thought. I've heard other people out in the media say this. But Jordan Travis should have been handed the Heisman Trophy right there. If he's that important, if he's so important to that team that they got snubbed from one of the top four seeds being an undefeated conference champion, then to me, that tells me he's the best player in college football. He beat the guy that won the Heisman Trophy. His team was left out because he was injured. And yeah, my heart broke for him when when I saw that on Twitter about, you know, I wish I would have broken my leg sooner. How can they do that to a young guy like that? I mean, to me, they should just be ashamed of themselves. And look, I'm not an FSU homer. I went to Florida. I'm a Gator. I was trained to hate the Seminoles. And I just, I think this is one of the biggest sports miscarriages of justice in my 47 years on earth no i agree it's it's unfortunate you know um you play the game to go you know to win at the end of the day that's what we've been taught since we were little kids like do games not matter anymore is what you know you have people questioning you have florida state fans like um that have you know and this what i hate was um you know one thing that got swept under the rug because of all this was, um, you know, FSU's women's soccer team, which we were up there to cover, won the national championship, the, um, you know, the day after the snub. And there was FSU fans that were refusing to watch ESPN because of, you know, what happened, which is unfair. And, or they were equating the um, loss, the um, Florida State snub to them and be like, look what happens when you let an undefeated team play in the cha- national championship. Like, no, let the woman have their own moment because they deserve that. You know, first undefeated team since um, 2011 Stanford to finish the season undefeated, they were a great team. So Florida State fans were taking out, you know, rightfully so, you know, not rightfully so, but, you know, they were taking out their frustrations, just understandably so in different things, but not rightfully so because, you know, I think the wrong people also got punished for it as well. Yeah, it's definitely, there's a displaced anger there. And hey, shout out to that FSU women's soccer team because that was one heck of a feat and congratulations to them. But boy, it just... We could sit here, obviously, and and hammer it out all day, but, you know, it's in the past. Next year, it won't matter because there are 12 teams, and they would have made it into a 12-team playoff, obviously. So let's just, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot we can say about this game, the Orange Bowl, coming up on December 30th because it is such a different-look game. But I just kind of want you to give your your feelings, uh, you know, or your thoughts on how this game, what you expect to see. And let's say, hey, a miracle happens, Florida State wins it okay and uh you know maybe we get some stinkers in the cfp you know they might not win the college football playoff championship but you could see maybe like the ap voters give a a national title or something so you know talk a little bit just about the orange bowl in general yeah i mean that'd be interesting like you mentioned if florida states you know pulls off the miracle and wins this game there's some stinkers in the college football playoffs um all of a sudden, you're looking at what Florida State's second, third, sometimes fourth string players pulling this that went out, beating a team against Georgia that's, you know, a bunch of five stars that's going to have some backups. That's, you know, but Carson Beck starting. He said he's coming back. He's starting. Brock Bowers sounds like he's questionable. I don't know if Mark said anything about his status, but it sounds like there's a chance he plays. Um, I don't know if you mentioned anything about that. But um, if you're, you're looking at it, if they beat Georgia, that's a very one loss, great Georgia team. Florida State. Would be, you know, let's say Michigan, um, Alabama knocks off Michigan and Washington, Texas beats Washington. Uh, we get an Alabama-Texas rematch, which would be fun, but that's besides the point. Um, um, you have Florida State could be the only undefeated team to finish, undefe- to, uh, you know, to finish this season undefeated and be a conference champion. 
Yeah, have a legit chance to win that AP number one. I think it would be interesting to see how people vote. Because I think there's some people that said they will vote for Florida State. They're, I think uh, Blake Toppenmeyer had a story recently about that. Um, but like, you know, some people said they would vote for Florida State. Some people said they wouldn't just because it's not the college football playoffs. But it would be a unique, unique situation. And we're in a unique, unique situation this season with everything that's going on, you know, starting from the beginning of the season when we were having meetings, complaining about, um, you know, a major um, um, t- college football team complaining about their conference out in public to where we are now today. It's come full circle. Yeah, and it is amazing how much three points makes a difference for an entire college football season. Because if Georgia doesn't lose by three points, then I believe you would have Georgia and Florida State as two of the four teams with undefeated Michigan and Washington. And then, you know, this thing would come out in the wash. But instead, it becomes an orange bowl where you're missing all sorts of really good players. You know, Florida State has the opportunity to beat a team that's won the last two national titles, had a 29-game winning streak, you know, snapped by, uh, you know, a loss by three points to an Alabama that wasn't as good as past Alabama teams. They were good, of course. I mean, they, but, you know, they needed a miracle to beat Auburn. They struggled against USF, who did have an impressive win in their bowl the other night by shellacking Syracuse. So maybe that looks a little bit better, but it's just a tough thing to see. And, you know, I, I, for once in my life, I, I feel bad for Florida State. It, it's weird for this old Gator to say, but... um. So, so that's just uh, where we are, Essen. And, uh, you know, is there anything else you'd like to add about this, the reporting you'll be doing over the next week about the ACC, or anything else before I let you go? Yeah, I mean, it's been a crazy year. Like, you you know, just it's been a fun year. You know, when um, I think I talked to you about, you know, when I took this job at Florida State, I didn't expect to have conversations about this team being in national discussion already. So... It's kind of funny how far we the, they just, you know, I think that's one thing that's been lost is, um, you know, Mike Norvell has brought this program in a long ways, um, you know, from an 0-4 team that had just come off, you know, recently a loss to floor, to um, Jacksonville State to where they are now, where they're, you know, sitting in a, com- like we, we talked about a little bit, you know, they're in a conversation that, you know, they could claim a national championship if they were to win this game. So it's a big deal, and even if they lose, you your only loss will come to a the lot, two-time defending national champion. So Florida State has a lot, and their fans have a lot to be proud of this year, regardless of all the other um, you know mess going around around them this year. Well said, Essen. I appreciate the positivity, and I'm sure the Florida State fans too. This is going to be one that's going to you know obviously cause hurt for a long time, but next year you get 12 teams. I uh, don't know if, you know, we really need 12 teams. I would have made it six or eight at the most. But, um, you know, now these kids got to play even more. And who knows, you know, how deep we'll get to see some of the players playing. You know, the NIL deals. Uh, you know, I was saying to Mark Weiser, which you'll hear in a couple minutes here, some of these deals, it makes you wonder if they're going to write into that money that they're giving these players, that they also have to play in a bowl game. So, so many things to ponder about, so many things to read about. Essen, all of your work can be found at Tallahassee.com. And where can people find you on social media? Yeah, it's um, my uh, um, Twitter handle or X handle, whichever you want to call it now, is um, Essen, E-H-S-A-N underscore Kasim, K-A-S-S-I-M. And you can find out um, all my stuff there. All right. Well, Essen, I appreciate you coming on. I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon. Uh, you know, the spring game gets here before you before you know it. Also, you know, we'll see uh, how other things shake out for Florida State. So, uh, again, as always, thank you for being here, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Tim.
Alrighty, and now we're going to play that interview I did with Mark Weiser so you can hear about Georgia and his feelings as well on Florida State and everything that's gone on with the college football committee. All right, so Mark, when Georgia lost to Alabama by three points in the SEC championship game, did you know right then and there that the Bulldogs would be left out of the party? Or did you think there might still be some hope given that they had won, what, 28, 29 straight games, the last two national titles? What were you thinking when, when that game was over? Uh, that they probably weren't getting in. I mean, Michigan hadn't even kicked off yet against Iowa, but I didn't expect that to be much of a game. Um, you know, I didn't know that the Florida State result in uh, in the ACC championship game that night really wouldn't matter. The committee had already decided that without their starting quarterback, uh, they, they probably weren't going to get in. So, um, you know, Kirby Smart did his uh, normal uh, politicking, as you would expect the head coach of a team that just lost for the first time uh, in 30 games would do, but I don't know if he really believed that Georgia had much of a chance to get in once they lost just the way it was this year with so many um, unbeaten Power Five conference champions. Yeah, I mean, when you saw, you know, after everything was all said and done, Michigan, who's been without their coach all season, did you think maybe the committee should have weighed a little bit on a cheating scandal, regardless of what Michigan had done and maybe taken a Florida State or a Georgia? I mean, Michigan, you know, was a dominant team. Uh, before, during Harbaugh's first suspension, when he came back, when he was suspended again, when they beat Iowa for the most part, I mean, they, they, they looked like one of the best teams in the country. Um, you know, their interim coach, uh, you know, kept, kept it going, um, without it. And, and the committee has said all along that, you know, we evaluate, um, what we see on the field, that that's not a, CFP issue. That's an NCAA issue. So, and a big 10 issue. So I didn't think that would have any bearing. Um, and I mean, I think Michigan's a better team than Florida state, um, you know, given, um, <clears throat> just how dominant they've been Florida state, uh, obviously kind of, uh, came to the finish line of the season needing to pull out a, a close win against Florida, a close win against Louisville. So, uh, I don't think that was much of a factor. Yeah. So when you see how, and obviously this isn't going to be an issue next year when you have 12 teams, but when all was said and done, were you, were you hearkening back for, uh, you know, something like the AP and USA Today rankings or the BCS computers? Or did you think that, and you know, a board of 13 people behind closed doors was, was the best way to handle this? I mean, so you were talking about a two-team playoff then, um, if you're talking about just the BCS. Uh, look, it, it's surprising that the um, college football playoff committee uh, never came up. You know, things just worked out on the field where they didn't have these tough decisions um, like they did this year. And, uh, you know, it's a good thing they're going to a 12-team playoff because, you know, Florida State looks like they're about to pull out of the ACC. Um, you know, I don't know how many teams, um, you know, would be – causing a stink if there wasn't a 12 team playoff next year. So um, obviously Florida state would get in in a 12 team playoff, but you know, then the decision will come down to, you know, is the 13th and 14th team going to be crying about not getting in? Not that I'm saying Florida state's crying. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it, it's a, it's bad for the sport that a 13 and no team uh, isn't getting a chance to play for, for a championship still. Yeah, do you think that Florida state should have gotten in you personally well, you know, and would you have left out Texas or Alabama? Could you see an SEC team not getting in or putting in an Alabama and not Texas, even though Texas beat Alabama? What did you think about that whole situation with Florida State getting the snub? I'm pulling up my AP top 25 ballot to see where I put. I didn't have Florida State in my top four either. 
um, you know, and maybe I was a little bit um, influenced by, you know, everything I was hearing about it. But I, I mean, I did see, uh, you know, it does make sense without Florida State's quarterback. Um, you know, we saw what happened, um, you know, with TCU in the championship game. Now, TCU obviously uh, took it to Michigan last year. Um, but I had uh, Michigan, Washington, Alabama, and Georgia. Now, maybe the Georgia thing was a little bit of a home bias, which I usually don't. I mean, I had Georgia pulled down uh, to the number two spot uh, for a couple weeks this season when they didn't look that great. So, um, you know, I guess maybe um, some Regency bias and, and thinking that, that um, you know, the, the other teams were playing better at, at this time of year. Well, there's not much we can do about it now, so I guess let's look ahead to uh, what should really be a highly entertaining Orange Bowl. You know, uh, Florida State, we've already seen that uh, one of their top receivers, and Johnny Wilson, won't be playing. Jared Verse, their top defender, won't be playing. Uh, Georgia, they still haven't announced a whole lot, but obviously the game's more than a week away at the taping of this. Do you expect some players uh, that might pull out of this, or you know, how do you see this going for Georgia? Yeah, I mean, practices are closed uh, at Georgia. They have been since the preseason, so we haven't had a chance to see who's actually out there. Now, Brock Bowers did do a appearance at a local elementary school this week and was asked, um, you know, whether he's practicing, whether he's going to play in the game, and he kind of sidestepped the question. Um, you know, it was notable to me. I looked this morning. I got a, a uh, email overnight from the Orange Bowl listing which players were available for interviews next week. Um, you know, I think it's five offensive players, five defensive players for Georgia and notable to me that Brock Bowers and Javon Bullard, two guys that you would expect, Bullard is the, is the safety who had a, a big uh, playoff last year, uh, are not listed. So, you know, it doesn't mean for sure that they're not going to be playing, uh, but, but that might be an indication. Interesting that Ladd McConkey was listed and he's a guy that you think might be going to the NFL, um, had a very, uh, injury riddled season, um, but, you know, sometimes like I remember back four or five years ago, DeAndre Swift was injured, but made the trip and there was question whether he would play. He got in for one snap and um, that was it, I think. So maybe uh, a guy like McConkey plays a couple snaps uh, just to have one more game with his team. Now he could be coming back. I mean, he signed an, uh, a deal with a marketing firm that does a lot of NIL uh, but they also represent pro athletes, so so that's not really a, a sign one way or the other. So um, there might be other guys. There's been some speculation that Smile Munden, who is coming back next season, a, a linebacker that that um, battled injuries early in the season, that that he's going to just skip the game because of uh, just you know let his body rest. And uh, but even though he's still on the team, so we'll learn a little bit more next week. So this game really, this wouldn't be the type of game if Florida State and Georgia, let's say, would have met inside the CFP because there's just going to be a lot of pieces missing. Do you think that, you know, NIL is obviously separate from the universities, but if you're somebody who's giving maybe one of the larger deals, you know, because some of these players obviously don't get a ton of money, some do, you know, if you're giving one of the bigger deals, do you want something written in that your players are going to be playing in that bowl game? Or if you're a player, would you refuse something like that? How would you handle a big money situation where they, they want to see you in the bowl, whether it's in the CFP or not? You know, it's an interesting question. I haven't asked. I mean, <laughs> I don't really think that that the companies that look I, every time I drive around the Athens and into Atlanta, I'm seeing Lad McConkey on a billboard selling. I think he's with a uh, what is it? A, it's a is it a I can't remember the product. It's is it a peanut thing down down in in South Georgia or something? Um, onions. It's onions. It's uh, it's South Georgia onions. Whether he plays in the game or not, he can he's still marketable. People know who he is. 
I don't think even the fans, I mean, they, they want Georgia to win this game, but it, it's kind of an outlier game. I mean, the 2023 season will be known for Georgia going 12 and 0 in the regular season, keeping that winning streak going, but falling short of the playoff. So, you know, they gear up, they have a number one recruiting class <clears throat> and they try to do it again next year. And, and they should be definitely uh, a top contender in the, the 12 team playoffs. So whether one of these guys is in the, the bowl game, I, I don't think it matters at a four o'clock to seven o'clock window on a Saturday when people are, uh, you know, getting ready for the new year and there's other football games on TV. Now, th- this game opened up, I believe, Georgia. I've seen 13 and 14 points uh, favorite, even with a backup quarterback for Florida State, given how good the defense has been. And like I said, Jared Verse isn't going to be there. Do you think this spread is right? Do you think it should have been bigger? Do you think Georgia covers? How do you think this game's going to go? I haven't, I haven't looked to see if all these opt-outs for Florida state has affected the line, I don't know if it's still 14 or, or if Vegas has caught wind of that or, or not, but um, Carson Beck is back. He's playing in this game. I think there'll be enough Georgia key pieces that, um, you know, I, I think I would definitely take Georgia laying the 14 given the impact players that Florida state uh, won't have. Um, so, you know, one thing regarding the opt-outs for Georgia that what we're not talking about is they've had some guys leave through the transfer portal that aren't going to be playing that are guys that they would have counted on. A Marvin Jones, who's a good pass rusher that's transferred to Florida State. Jamon Dumas Johnson transferred to Kentucky. Now, he probably wouldn't have played because he had a forearm injury that kept him out the last four games. Um, th- there's been some other guys that would have played here and there uh, for Georgia. So those aren't opt-outs per se, but but they're not playing because they're gone. But um I think Georgia would, you know, this could be a, I haven't, I haven't had to make my pick yet. I'll, I'll put that in the next couple of days uh, in a story, but probably 17 to 20 points, I would say. Let's say Florida State does pull this one out and we get some stinkers in the CFP. Do you think they're going to be making noise like UCF did a few years ago, claiming their own national title? Do you think they would have a beef about that if they end up beating Georgia and going 14-0? and 0? You know, have you thought about the ramifications of, let's say, Florida State does win this game? Yeah, Ralph Russo from the Associated Press that runs the AP poll, he he sent an email yesterday to voters asking, uh, you know, would you consider Florida State if they beat Georgia uh, as number one? And um, I, I replied to him, not uh, saying exactly what I, what I told him, but uh, the gist of it was, look, if they can w- beat Georgia with all these opt-outs and some of their best players not there, uh, that's going to be that's going to be an impressive win for Florida State. Now, whether you know it, it would be hard to put, I think Florida State ahead of a team that wins two games in the playoff, given the quality of those uh, teams. But I guess if you have a one-loss Texas, a one-loss uh, Alabama uh, as your national champion, it's something to think about. We'll see. What, I mean, if Florida State like you know truck Georgia, certainly they're going to get some attention. I think you know, Florida State um, as a program, as a school, I mean, sure, go ahead, hang a banner as US, UCF did, take pride in going 13-0. and um, You know, uh, if, if they're not going to put you in the playoff, then uh, you can celebrate uh, what you think is a, uh, a championship yourself. Yeah, I think everybody in the entire country, including Mike Norvell himself, would be surprised if Florida State were to truck Georgia. But if they win, I think it's going to be a close game. Obviously, I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that Georgia will ultimately, you know, rule the day there. Who, when you look at the CFP, who do you think is going to come out on top between uh, the four teams, Michigan, Texas, Washington, and Alabama? Tough question. Um, Look, how about let's go with Washington 
and Michigan in the national championship game. I, I think Alabama, um, you know, they've had a great run to to get to the playoff by throwing that pass uh, on fourth down uh, to beat Auburn and then playing very well um, against a, a Georgia team that you can't, I mean, they're hot because they won 29 in a row, but um, you know, they didn't play their best ball against Georgia tech and obviously didn't play, uh, you know, Alabama won the game in the trenches. Um, you know, I, I think Michigan, um, you know, in the Rose Bowl against Alabama, um, I think Michigan has something to prove because they've kind of, uh, you know, done kind of a belly flop in the playoff the last couple of years, uh, you know, getting toasted by Georgia and then against TCU. So uh, let's go with uh, Michigan, I guess. But, you know, don't hold me to that. I haven't really studied it uh, as much as, uh, you know, we still got another, uh, what do we got, another week or so. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, I think the only... Um what would you call it? The only satisfactory result for a lot of fans might be if Washington wins, because then you have a clean team, undefeated, no cheating scandal, you know, those type of things. I, I think that for CFP, that might be the best result, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think ultimately Alabama may win this whole thing. That's just me personally. Uh, as far as the Orange Bowl goes, is there anything else? You know, and again, it, it's kind of hard to talk about the game itself because we don't know up until, you know, just before the game's played, who's going to be there and how it's going to go. But what, what what else might you want to say about the game itself? I mean, it's going to be tough for, for Tate Rodemaker without his two best wide receivers, his tight end. I mean, I don't see how they get much going offensively against Georgia's defense. Um, so, you know, you have Carson Beck. You're going to have Kendall Milton, it looks like. Um, you might not have Brock Bowers, but, you know, Georgia's got enough weapons on offense, um, you know, that I, I think this could get uh, you know, could get out of hand. I mean, it's uh, it, it certainly would be interested to see Florida State, uh, you know, in a New Year's Six Bowl or in the playoff, uh, you know, at full throttle. And, and that's not the case, which is, you know, the way it is when you're in a non-playoff bowl game. And, uh, you know, now let's look ahead as far as, you know, we just got done closing down on the early signing period. You know, what, what's Georgia going to look like next year? How did they do on uh, the December National Signing Day? What are you expecting, you know, when, when the other signing day comes up in February? And where do you think they'll be when the, the first rankings come out for 2024? Um, they're probably going to be like top three, I would think. I mean, Carson Beck is a difference maker when you have a guy that played so well in his first season as, as a starting quarterback. Um, you know, he may not make the wild plays like, like Jalen Milrow or, or the guys that made it to New York for the Heisman, but, but, you know, Beck still, uh, is efficient enough, um, you know, throws the ball well enough that he might make it to New York, uh, should be a favorite for the Heisman this year, given that, that he's returning with, uh, you know, when, when you talk about the roster, I mean, it's not complete yet. Not signing day it is. They got the number one class for the third time under Kirby Smart. Uh, they flipped the Florida State commitment, um, K.J. Bolden from uh, Buford High School. Uh, so that was a big win to a class that already probably would have been number one. Um, and, you know, they, they already got a, a wide receiver from the transfer portal, London Humphreys. I expect uh, a couple more players in the next few days, maybe even Trevor Etienne from uh, Florida. Uh, looks like he's probably going to be a Georgia Bulldog. Um, you know, and, and defensively, I think they signed like the number one linebacker, the number one safety. Um, you know, they, they just keep reloading. So, um I mentioned Smile Munden's coming back. I mean, Malachi starts. We'll see what happens with guys like Javon Bullard, Kamari Lasseter, what decisions they make. But, um, you know, I think Georgia, again, uh, will be what Georgia's been the last few years, which is a national championship contender. And, uh, you know, the Beck decision really uh, brings a lot of momentum for the offseason. 
Yeah, totally agree with you. I think they'll be there toward the end next year. Mark, anything else you want to add about the Bulldogs, the Orange Bowl next year, or anything in general? That's going to be interesting in Miami to see what this week is like. I mean, we did get a couple players, three players the other day on signing day, and and they seem to be bought into uh, playing this game, even though they're not playing for a championship anymore. I guess they're playing for the Orange Bowl championship, but it's not the same as last time they went down there where – you know, they were one win away from playing for the, the national championship and then they, they won it for the first time in, in 41 years. Uh, so, you know, how much buy-in they have uh, seems to be, a, you know, a good sign so far on that. And uh, maybe this time they can actually, uh, it doesn't look like it's sunny weather in the forecast, but maybe they can enjoy South Florida without the pressure that they probably felt uh, a couple of years ago. So, uh I don't know how many Seminoles fans are going to be there. I don't know how many Bulldog fans are going to be there. Um, you know, it's not going to be like it was uh, in the playoffs for Georgia, but uh, they, they hope to go out with one more W. All righty. And as always, you can find all of Mark's work at onlineathens.com. And where can people find you on social media? Uh, check me out on, I would say Twitter, but I guess it's X now. It's Mark Weiser, M-A-R-C-W-E-I-S-Z-E-R. Alrighty, sounds good. Mark, I appreciate you being here, and uh, enjoy the game next week. All right, thank you. And that will do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote boxing legend George Foreman, evil lurks where disappointment lodges. Don't disappoint me by joining me again next time. <laughs>